0: Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're joined by a friend of the show, recurring guest. It is the Athletics prospect analyst. It's Scott Wheeler.
1: And Sens fans are going to be glad at the list we look at as he does a redraft of the 2020 NHL draft with not one, but two Sens players in the top spots.
0: Not bad, not bad. We also get into Igor Sokolov's progression, Stephen Halliday, and which Senators prospect could take a big step Next season. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked
2: On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the On Senators Podcast.
0: Welcome inside episode 855 of the On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. Please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. We're also free and available on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. Today is Friday, August 11th. And while you're listening to this, Pilsy is on a bird to the beautiful province of Manitoba.
1: Yep, uh, I'll be heading on my way to Winnipeg for Ross's wedding. Martian also will be in the air making her way over. It's the the pilgrimage to Manitoba. Uh, definitely excited for that, buddy.
0: Should we have a, a postcast for the wedding? You know, break down everything that happened and any, you know, mistakes, any bloopers?
1: Yeah, we'll set up at the DJ booth and just put the roadcaster up and we'll uh, we'll do live commentary.
0: Hilarious, but we figured this would be a great day to take a look at the world of Sens prospects. And right when I saw the 2020 redraft come out that you already mentioned from Scott Wheeler, I had to click on it so fast to see where Jake Sanderson was because he admits again, and he talked about it last spring with us, that he messed up on Jake Sanderson's projection. And I like that he's eating his words and he's fixing it in the redraft. One and two. This has to be the first time that we've seen... A team get the first and second best player in a draft. Like, does any other time come out to you where you're like, "Oh yeah, that team left the draft with the two best players"?
1: Not, not off the top of my head. No. I mean, unless you unless you go all the way back to like the Sadines, maybe.
0: Okay. Yeah, but even the Sadines, what was that? That was the 1999 NHL draft. So yeah, you know what? That's actually a good callback, Billsy. So yeah. even if that's the case, wait, let's see who else went in that in that top area, but, but, yeah, there's, there's nobody even close. Not even Martin (laughs) Havlot? No, probably not. No, so yeah, you have to go back to the 1999 draft, I'll say, uh, until you can get that. So for, at least right now, it's, Tim Stutzel one, Jake Sanderson two. So pretty awesome that we get to see Scott break all that down. And I'm really encouraged by his thoughts on Igor Sokolov as well.
1: And Ross, I'd even be shocked. Obviously, this is this is far in advance. But I'd be shocked if uh, Tim Stutzel and Jake Sanderson don't stay one and two for Scott's redraft of the redraft in three years from now.
0: Let's get to our conversation with Scott Wheeler right now. We'll break down our, a few of our favorite moment, moments afterwards. So stay tuned for that. You're listening To Locked On Senators.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Guys, they are the online sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're North America's number one sportsbook and for a good reason. And if you haven't checked out FanDuel yet, don't worry. You can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. So, $20 bet you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose all on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use plus when you win you get paid instantly you'll see those green numbers in your account right away so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official partner of major league baseball
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. Go visit the Glebe Central Pub in the heart of the Glebe at 779 Bank Street. And when you go there, make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. But when you're at the Glebe Central Pub, you know the vibes are absolutely elite. There's always room for a friend at the Glebe Central Pub. And they make sure that you're not just with your immediate group of friends, you're with everybody. They have trivia nights, live music, all sorts of interactive events at the Glebe Central Pub. You can go there to check out all the soccer. It's a great soccer bar if you want to get an early morning going on the weekend. The supporters bar there, I believe it's for Arsenal. It's an amazing atmosphere at the Glebe Central Pub. If the Ottawa Redblacks are playing at Lansdowne, if you're going to a concert in the winter, if you're going to a 67s game, you can always stop on your way to Lansdowne at the Glebe Central Pub or refresh after if you're going down there to shop. But what we do know is the hockey season's around the corner and the Glebe Central Pub will have the shuttle back. It's the most efficient way to get to and from the game and it's all at the Glebe Central Pub. So check them out at 779 Bank Street and make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. All right, let's get to today's interview with the Athletics Prospect Analyst. Here is Scott Wheeler. All right, we now welcome back a recurring guest, his seventh time on Lockdown. Seven. Putting Seven. in a tie for third on the all-time guest list. It's prospect analyst with the athletics, Scott Wheeler. Welcome back. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well.
2: Seven is a big number. We've been at this uh we've been at this a long time here, it feels like.
0: I actually looked it up because the first time you came on. You went out of your way to make a tweet saying, hey, I went on this show. You should check it out. And I looked it up and you were sitting at like 15,000 followers. I want to say that you've like quadrupled. So thank you for not forgetting about us little guys throughout it. But in all seriousness, you go ahead.
2: I'm I'm sure you guys have grown exponentially as well since then. So (laughs) I, I could say the same about you guys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> a couple, but I mean, you know what? That's just a testament to the great guests that we have on. I mentioned yes. that you're in a tie for third. That's with Ian Mendez. So there might be some bragging rights at stake here at the Athletic.
2: Ian is uh, Ian's a good good buddy of me, so I'll, I'll remember that if if and when I beat him to to number eight.
0: Yes, That's and terrible. it's been a, a kind of a thinner time right now for sense prospects in terms of adding to the pool. There's been a lot of graduates, maybe some surprises, but. Overall, with that, no first, no second, no third in the 2023 draft. Things may have thinned out. First, let me get your reaction to Hoyt Stanley, the top pick. What do you think about his game?
2: I like Hoyt. Hoyt was sort of one of those guys who was in the conversation for me for my top 64 at the midseason, and then obviously snuck into my top 100 at year end. Um, Barely snuck in. He was in the 90s on my list. But he's he's an athletic kid. He skates well. Uh, sort of manages the game in front of him really well. Intelligent defender uh, has obviously as a lot of defensemen coming out of the sort of junior a route have, it's going to take him some time. Like he's going to be a three, four year college player at minimum. And you're probably looking at making a decision on him when he's 22, 23 years old, rather than say, had he gone the junior route. And then you have to make a decision at 20 years old on those kids. So uh, I think he'll benefit from that extra sort of year or two before it's crunch time in terms of whether or not to sign him to an entry-level deal. Uh, But you hope if, if all goes well, I think that the ideal outcome for him would be sort of a number five, number six defenseman. I don't think he's going to be sort of that stud guy in an NHL lineup, but I think he's got an opportunity with the way he skates. He's got decent size. He, he sort of, as I mentioned, manages the game in front of him really well. Uh, I, I think there's an opportunity for him to sort of put all the pieces together and become, if not an everyday NHL guy, then maybe at least a, a sort of AHL call-up type.
1: Yeah, we had a chance to interview uh, Hoyt Stanley. He's a great kid as well. Uh, so we were stoked about that. Now, the 2023 draft for the Ottawa Senators, not exactly a monumental draft, but... If you go back to the 2020 draft for the Ottawa Senators, that was a big one. And uh, you had an article recently that uh, you did a redraft of the 2020 NHL draft. And uh, usually Sens fans don't like your list, Scott. But in this case, I think Sens fans were pretty happy about that. Yeah, just look at that cover uh, picture for the article. Now... When you were doing this, is that something you kind of thought, like, wow, I'm really bumping two guys from the same team and the Ottawa Senators, nonetheless, to the top spots?
2: Yeah, I knew kind of midway through last season, uh, as I began thinking about this list, I do one of these redrafts every year, always three years after to try and give it at least some time to breathe. And I knew that 2020 was coming this summer. I do do it each summer. And there was that anticipation of just knowing that even if I I knew Stutzla mid mid last year, I knew Stutzla was going to be number one. I think we've known that for, for a hot minute here, but it was sort of, okay, is Jake going to be number two? And if he is, what, what reaction is that going to produce from Sens fans? So uh, ultimately that's where I settled on him. I do think there's a, I mean, there were people making cases for, for Dawson Mercer and Lucas Raymond and Cole Perfetti and others sort of in that two, three, four, five range. But regardless, they, they had two top five picks. They're absolutely going to end it with two top five players in this draft. And I think that's, that's a huge win. And obviously you guys know that I had uh, Jake Sanderson 17th on my list uh, when they took him fifth. Right. So uh, it's been a, a, a sort of learning process for me. That one, that one and mort Sider are really my two big misses uh, over the course of the last sort of 10 years of doing this. Those are the two that have really sort of lingered with me. And they're both defensemen, which I think should tell me something about the way that I'm evaluating defensemen. And they're both kids in particular who really exploded in the second half for Sanderson. Mm-hmm. It was from the BioSteel All-American game in that draft year onwards. He sort of took off. And then for for Mo, it was into the DEL playoffs and then into the World Championships. And in Mo's year in particular, my, list came at, my final list came out before he played at Men's Worlds for Germany. So uh, in both of those cases, I just think I've learned, A, I need to catch up a little bit better in terms of readjusting my evaluations as the year progresses, maybe a little bit more sharply than I have in the past, not settling on sort of where I was at on those kids at the beginning, sort of portion of the season. Uh, and then also just defensemen. I've had a tough time with, with some defensemen over the years. So that's something I'm, I'm really sort of dialing in on. And it's it, coincidentally with this upcoming draft for 2024, this is probably the most D heavy draft that I've done. And, and this will be mm-hmm. my 11th draft, but this is probably probably, the most D heavy draft we've seen since 2012. And I wasn't doing this job in 2012. So uh, you could see 10, 10 of the top sort of 15, 16 players in this upcoming draft be defensemen. So this is going to sort of put together maybe some of the lessons that I've, I've, I've hoped that I've learned uh, in terms of some of the misses that I've had uh, and really sort of challenge me. So I'm looking forward to that. and And this project is, is a ton of fun to do because you yeah. get, in this case, it sends fans who are really excited. But every year, you get people who are uh, sort of go to bat for their guys. And obviously, I mean, Dawson Mercer's a perennial sixty-point player now. Lucas Raymond's a sixty to seventy-point guy. I think Cole Perfetti's going to be a, a seventy-point guy for for Winnipeg when it's all said and done. Um, so there, it, 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 there's still going to be some debate about those guys. But I think it's Tim one for sure, and then Jake's, Jake's right there.
0: I thought about tweeting and saying, wow, Tyler Clevin snub, just something to get mad at, but you didn't really <laughs> give us a whole lot. But uh, I, I
2: moved Ridley, If you notice, I moved Ridley Gregg up a couple of spots too. He was sort of uh, still in that late first round, but uh, another one that looks like if, if he becomes a really good third line player for them, that'll be a solid pick.
0: Yeah, Ridley Greg at 25 in your redraft. And always make sure to subscribe to The Athletic. It is great work. Super thorough and always great insight as well. And I loved your last excerpt there. That's 0 for 3 for Scott on Sen's first-round picks in 2020 for those keeping track at home. But... (laughs) We'll get to 2021 next year. We'll save that for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Tyler Boucher is going to be in the top 10, I'm afraid. Oh, he
0: just needs to play games, though, right now. It's just a matter yeah. of getting in. I'm excited to see what transitions to pro hockey. I know that you've been higher on Zach Stapchuk, though, over the, mm-hmm. course, the last little while. He's going to turn pro this year. We'll see how yeah. that looks as well. But more generally, how long? And three years, I guess, is the way that you're doing it for this. But For you to really know about a player, is it three? Is it four? Is it five years after their draft?
2: Yeah, it's probably a little bit more than three. It's funny. Every year when I do my redraft, I go back and look at the other ones. And then you realize that Jason Robertson, for example, Jason was a kid that I had ranked in my first round all year as someone I'm very proud of my evaluation on in his draft class, uh, someone I fought for and, and sort of have vouched for over the years. And even when I look back at the redraft that I did and I'm pumping my tires and talking about how I got jason robertson right and i still had him in the redraft too low right i mean he's a hundred point player now so at three years can still not quite be enough especially for i think it's it's typically enough for the true top guys like we know what tim stutzla is now we know what jake sanderson is going to be now but it's still some of those sort of mid to late first round picks that are still figuring it out have still maybe played 20 30 nhl games but haven't really had a full season under their belts Uh, And in, in Robertson's case, that's exactly sort of what happened with him, where he just came a little bit later and now he's one of the best wingers in the league. So three years is probably still a little bit early. Ideally, maybe I do it. Maybe I should have been doing it sort of in three years increments. So three years after the draft and then three years after that for sort of the full picture six years out, Uh, I've, I've, I've sort of peddled doing that a redraft of the redraft, but that almost feels (laughs) like maybe overkill. Uh, in terms of content but every year in the comments I get people saying you should redraft your redrafts eventually and so maybe that's something I should do at some point here but uh, yeah three years is is still a little early for most of the guys other than the true stars who are already established.
1: Now you mentioned that uh, Tim Stutzler was your easy number one you're not going to get any arguments on this show about that but you did say that with Jake Sanderson you were kind of deciding whether he was going to be that number two guy. And I'm looking at your redraft here and the next defenseman isn't till 11th, Jamie Mm -hmm. Drysdale. What is it that separates Jake Sanderson so much ahead of any other defenseman from that class? We'll start, we'll go with Jamie Drysdale, I guess, in comparison.
2: I think it's his ability to defend. Jamie's going to be. Jamie has obviously missed almost the entirety of last season and has had a bit of a tough go of it in terms of injuries, as has Jake prior to entering the NHL. Um, but the thing about Jamie or any number of those kids who were drafted there is that, uh, I mean, certainly Caden Gooley has turned out well. Braden Schneider has turned out well in terms of the defensive side of the game. Uh, but Jake has that that sort of offensive element and has really grown and developed offensively in terms of carrying the puck, activating off of the offensive zone blue line, playing with a little bit more ambition than he did maybe in his draft year. He's always had this sort of excellent, excellent transition game, this sort of dominant two-way transition game. Uh, but really it's, I think it's ultimately going to be his ability to defend. That's going to distinguish him from those guys, just his athleticism, how strong he is in box outs and in board battles, uh, his skating and his ability to defend in transition, which has always been a huge asset. And, um, that's the full package. Suddenly you've got a player who can create offense, run a power play, and then also is a sort of premium defender. And I just don't think a player like Jamie Drysdale, even if he becomes a 40, 45 point defenseman and he's an excellent skater, excellent, excellent skater in his own right, he's just never going to have that that sort of ceiling in terms of his ability to defend. So I think that's that's the difference with, with the sort of number two, number three defenseman in the league, which I think Drysdale still has an opportunity to become. And a player like... Uh, like Jake who's who's looking like he's on sort of on a path to becoming a a sort of number one guy
0: yeah it's awesome to see the development it's almost like the the intricacies like Jake's not going to end up on all the highlight reels every night but what he is Mm going to do is just make everything tape to tape a one-man breakout it's so smooth so fun you really feel like you have to be watching him closely every game to know all the little things he does and I think he's only like five minor penalties in his NHL career like he just doesn't uh, put his team down so great uh yeah. great insight there Scott I want to turn our attention to to next year because Ottawa somehow some way as we've been doing this and growing the show like you said now they're a cap team like we have to crunch numbers now that was so foreign to us when we started this we're like wait how much do we have to sign Tyler Ennis for to get to the cap floor that's where we used to be and now it's like okay what entry level guys can help out is there a guy in yeah. the center? prospect pool who you think could take a step and really kind of clamp down a, an NHL role next season? Well, I mean, I know, I know he's a good friend of the show, but I think Igor is,
2: is sort of knocking on the door. I think he's, he should naturally be next in line. I know that the, if you look at their sort of daily faceoff lineup cheat, or you look at their cap friendly, it looks like he's he's not going to be sort of one of their 12 forwards to start this season. But I do think that Igor, it's sort of, push comes to shove now right like you get to that certain age where your value starts to diminish if you don't become a full time nhler once you're sort of 23 24 years old things start to change in your career and you just kind of become what you are so he's still he's still young enough that it's it's time to to force somebody's hand and and grab an nhl opportunity so he's probably the one that i'm I'm interested in just because he also just as you guys know also brings something different with how heavy he is and his ability to shoot the puck and uh, he's got a little bit of sort of sneaky creativity as well and uh, he just looks different out there no matter who he's playing with he just kind of has this sort of look to him he's a pretty unique makeup in terms of a player um, so he's he's one I'm interested to see because I, I I could see him as a as a solid sort of bottom six player who maybe sort of helps out on PP two here and there and scores 15 goals in a season and is just a a, a sort of good NHL player and uh, on top of it a, a fan favorite because of all the personality he has and all of that so um, I'm 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 excited to see if he can sort of push through if an injury happens this season and an opportunity presents itself for him I'm excited to see what he does with it.
0: Well that's they should have known you know getting an overage player it's going to be a shorter track and what's he done Yeah, all star led the team in goals uh, last mm-hmm. year, on the team in points this year it's like what more do you want from him and what i love about igor is he bought a place in uh, in Stitsville like 5 minutes from the rink this last this off season. so he's he's in the gym every time despite still needing a contract here so i like that yeah. answer with, with igor and we were lucky enough we were 10 rows up uh, when he got his first NHL goal, we just happened to be at that one game we went to. And uh, Pilsy, did we call it that morning, or or was that just me dreaming here?
1: No, we t- we did. We were trying to boost Igor, and uh, it worked out. So that was a great moment for sure.
0: So with that, I, I want to touch on, since, I mean, this is basically a 2020 recap with Igor being a second-round pick. We saw Tyler Clevin take a step, and I know he seemed yeah. like an easy guy for for online scouts to kind of just... Chirp, You know, he's just a tough guy. He's not going to bring a whole lot of anything, but he didn't throw one big hit in the seven games. And he actually made a ton of tape to tape passes. Like, Mm -hmm. do you think that there's more of a ceiling now for Tyler Clevin than maybe there was in years past after working under Brad Berry for three seasons?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, Brad's a heck of a coach. Uh, I know Brad well, and I think that's not a small piece of this puzzle in terms of how some of those guys have come along. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've grown fonder, no question, of Tyler and his game. Uh, I still think there's, there's a simplicity to it that he just kind of is going to be what he's going to be. He's going to sort of make that simple play out of his own zone. He's going to make stops with his stick or with his physicality if required. He's got a cannon from the point. Uh, I don't think we've really seen that in the NHL yet, but you guys know watching him at North Dakota, like – if he if he hit, rips it, it and the goalie stops it, there's usually a huge rebound. And if it if it misses the net, it's one of those shots that just sort of like rattles off the boards and makes the rink shake, kind of thing. Like he's he does have a cannon, so uh, that piece of the puzzle will help him just sort of establish himself. And then he's just he's a, he's a great athlete. Like he's just he's going to win that battles. He's going to out muscle guys. He's going to be sort of firm on pucks. Uh, that piece of his game is, is sort of the bread and butter. So I I just think he's going to be a good complimentary D partner for somebody. And, and every team needs those guys, especially if they're sort of six foot three, six foot four and 200 plus pounds. Right. So uh, that piece of it doesn't hurt either. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's just a, he's bec- he's sort of cleaned it, polished up some of his play with the puck a little bit. And his draft year, it, it it looked at times sort of pretty stilted and choppy, and his he struggled with his pivots at that time in terms of when pucks got chipped past, and he was just a little clumsy getting back to them. His uh, his skating is now uh, I, I would say just fine, no issues there. Um, so there's 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 some tools there to work with in terms of just that that classic sort of seventeen minute a night guy who just defends well and can penalty kill and uh, can play off of a sort of busier partner.
0: We'll get right back to our interview with Scott, but first let me tell you about my favorite place in Ottawa, Shawarma palace. You know how much I love Shawarma palace. So I'm going to ask Pillsy. Pilsey, what's your favorite thing about Shawarma palace?
1: My favorite thing, Ross, is in an age where, you know, you hear terms shrinkflation and everyone is giving out smaller portions but at higher prices. One spot that doesn't do that is the palace. You get great prices. It's very affordable. And if anything, it's the opposite of shrinkflation. They like when you get a a platter to go they're like putting their body weight on it to close the lid and it is a hefty hefty portion always get the extra garlic sauce uh the hummus the you can get baba ganoush all that kind of stuff is so delicious at shawarma palace
0: baba ganoush is an all-time word even better yes. dish at shawarma palace so go eat like a royal at shawarma palace at any of their 7 Ottawa locations eight. If you count Uber eats, cause they'll bring it right to your door. So go check them out. The full list of locations is available on Instagram. Shawarma palace, Ottawa. You can always find us at the Rideau street location though, right by chapel and Augusta. That's where you can find me, but they are at bank and hunt club. They're all over the city. And for good reason, it's the best place to go for shawarma in Ottawa since 1997. So go eat like a Royal go eat at Shawarma palace. All right, now back to our conversation with Scott Wheeler. It's kind of fun right now. We're in the age-old debate with the sense because, right, the top four is pretty set, Shabbat, Chikrin, Sanders, and Sanderson, Zub. And then you get into mm-hmm. a standpoint now where it's like JBD. you're hoping, takes a step. 2018, I mean, you say five years, you know what you have pretty much. And yeah. Getting into that zone with Jacob Bernard-Docker, which is fine if he's, you know, one of those low-event players that doesn't hurt your team either. But then you look on the left side, do you want the big, hulking Tyler Clevin or do you want the puck moving Eric Branstrom? And it seems like that's kind of a, an age-old debate here that we're getting into. And uh, I know Pilsey and I have had that conversation about 40 million times on this show. But um, just just more generally as well, I, I saw that your list there, your top 50 drafted prospects, again, a must-read that Scott does every summer. He does the top 10 goalies. Who was closer to sneaking in? Ridley Gregg as an honorable mention as a forward or Mad Sogard or Levy Marilainen as goalies?
2: Mads Mads was was right there for the top ten goalies. Like if it had run to to fifteen, he would have been on the list. And he's been in the I believe he last summer he was actually on, in that top ten. So this year sort of just slid off with a couple of guys who would emerged, plus these new guys who came through the draft, like Trey Augustine and Michael Harabel, who sort of get added to the list. And there hasn't been a ton of subtraction. We haven't seen. Uh, the sort of Dustin Wolfs or, or Devin Levi I still included him, even though he's about to graduate. So uh, the li- the top of the list sort of looked the same as it did a year ago. And then a guy like Mads sort of slipped off. So Mads was really close. Ridley Ridley's more of like a top 90 top 80 guy. Uh, he, He wasn't there were sort of four or five defensemen and four or five forwards that missed the cut for the top 50 that were like my absolute absolute last cuts and he wasn't one of those four or five forwards or four or five defensemen which means he's probably not in the top 60. But I think once you get past that top 60, Ridley really would, would have been right there. So uh, both legit prospects, obviously. Um, th- they're also going to – I just did a, a sort of preview with uh, my colleague Corey Proudman and Max Boltman at the Athletic for the World Juniors, sort of mapping out what some of those teams are going to look like. And they'll have some flavor there. I think Oscar Pedersen is going to be probably a second or third line right wing as a returnee uh, and play that sort of physical take the puck to the net, rip it kind of style that he plays so well. Kevin Riedler, who they drafted, uh, the the big netminder out of Sweden, has a chance to be sort of the number two or number three for Sweden. Their their starting goalie is already locked up as Hugo Havlid. But Riedler might be on that team. You'll see Thomas Hamara as a returnee for the Czechs. So there's going to be a little bit of flair in Gothenburg uh, this December as well in terms of sense prospects.
1: Yeah, that'll be exciting for sure. Now, final question for me here, Scott. Uh, I just want to get your opinion on kind of the idea, like, the Ottawa Centers are finally at a spot where they hope to compete for a playoff spot. It's not about rebuilding and just plugging guys into the roster. So this yeah. roster is starting to get pretty full here. But at what point do you, you need to kind of save a spot for those guys like Igor Sokolov, like you mentioned, like Ridley Gregg, uh, or there's a couple other guys in the Sen system that are kind of pushing for an NHL spots? Like, Are you of the mind that you need to keep – one spot available for those guys to fight over? Or is it like, Hey, if you're ready to make the NHL, you got to beat out some veterans and you got to earn that spot. Cause like we mentioned with Igor, like if he doesn't get a legitimate shot at the NHL soon, like that's going to be tough for his development. So where, where do you stand on that?
2: I think they're at the stage now where uh, and I'll, I'll do respect to a player like Igor, his development doesn't need to be their priority. I, I think they've flipped that script, and it's it's the latter of the two scenarios that you were talking about now, where he's he's got to win a job, he's got to beat out a veteran, or if a veteran gets injured and he gets an opportunity, he's got to make sure that when the veteran's healthy that he's still the guy that they want to play every night. He's got to play well enough. And that's how you elevate the roster. That's how you sort of push for the playoffs. We know what the Eastern Conference looks like and how tough it's going to be this year, but them and Buffalo, I think, are now two teams that have to be in playoff mode. Like that has to be the focus. I know Buffalo is a young team with Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, and they're going to want to bring along Yuri Coolidge after how good he was in Rochester last year. And then they've got Matt Savoy and Zach Benson and all these other guys coming and they need, they need to not, I I mean, those guys are going to get prioritized in some way, but they need to focus on making the playoffs and they need to focus on playing Rasmus Dallin and Owen power 30 minutes a night and winning hockey games. Like that has to be, the the priority for Buffalo. And I think it's the same in Ottawa now. It's like, you got to take, Igor has to take a spot and they need to, they need to steal a spot away from the Pittsburgh Penguins or right. Like that needs to be what happens this year. It needs to be, you know, that you're going to have Toronto and Tampa and Florida and the Rangers and the devils and the Carolina hurricanes. Those are probably the six teams that are locks to make the playoffs. And then it's going to be, ottawa and it's going to be buffalo and it's going to be pittsburgh and they need to they need to win one of those sort of wild card spots this year i think that has to be the goal and if it's not if that isn't the outcome i think that has to be considered a disappointment like that's where the expectations i think should be for this team especially with josh norris back healthy now and everybody taking a step and tim needs to be a 90 to 100 point guy every year and and that's that's just that's that's should be the expectation so uh i'm excited to see how it shakes up in 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 the Atlantic, in particular, maybe Boston's vulnerable, and one of one of Buffalo and 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 Ottawa can really give it a go this year.
0: Love it, great insight as always, Scott. I got a couple of quick hitters for you here, and and one guy who it was just kind of the talk of development camp, and we got to go for for one on ice session. But I know that he'd been on your radar before. You had him ranked twelfth in your midseason rankings when you put out the individual team prospect pools. But Stephen Halliday just keeps taking mm. step after step after step you look at the big 10 last year the only players that had more assists than him logan cooley luke hughes adam fantilli that's the end of the list like is he a guy who you think we should be keeping an eye on as a legitimate nhl prospect
2: yes yeah i would i would qualify holiday now as if not a b plus prospect then like a solid b prospect who's close to b plus like he's he's a legit. Sort of organizational piece. Now he's someone that they're going to, I'm sure, be focused on signing when he decides that he's done in college. He's someone that I expect to go back and be a top player in the NCAA this year. Like that's that's sort of the expectation. Obviously, you have to factor in his age. He's another older kid uh, who who sort of wasn't the
0: months older than Matthew Nyes, and we hear about Matthew Nyes being yeah. young stud. He's two months young or older. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's a fair point, and
2: Matthew Nyes is is the Leafs are counting on him this year to be a a big piece of the puzzle. So um, Steven's obviously a very different player than, than nice nice is that sort of big plays that sort of big boy style. And Steven's a, a decently sized kid in his own, right. Um, but he's not that sort of Igor Sokolov, Matthew Nye's sort of refrigerator out there either. So, um, But you know, the, the playmaking, his feel for the game, he, he's just one of those kids who knows where to be, knows how to operate on the ice, knows how to use spacing, knows how to play off of his line mates, doesn't need the puck, but can play with the puck, can play off of his line mates, can be the driver on his line, will forecheck, will play F3 and support and play defensively high if someone else is forechecking. Like he's just an intelligent player. Uh, and I think that that sometimes carries you a long way. And sometimes it only carries you as far as sort of top AHL player who's a call-up guy, but sometimes it can make you a, a full-time NHLer as well. So I think that's that's sort of the conversation that he's now in. It's, it's, okay, he's now a focus for getting signed after he's done. He's probably going to get an ELC. And then you, you have him spend a year in the AHL and, and see what you've got there. That's... I don't think he's going to be one of those sort of hot, hot college guys who comes right into the NHL and gets to play 10 games in the spring with the NHL club after he, he sort of turns pro. Uh, but I do think he's the kind of player who's now going to be given opportunities in the NHL. Like he's going to get to play in a top six role once he sort of goes to the AHL kind of thing. So um, that's sort of the conversation that he's pushed himself into. So credit to him. And if he becomes, if he even plays NHL games, given where they drafted him, then it's a, a solid pick
0: yeah big time no we love that fourth round pick just last year finally scott what are you working on right now what can we expect uh, out of you at the athletic coming up
2: yeah the big thing is my first uh 2024 draft ranking that's been my focus holinka the holinka gretzky cup was last week obviously and i like to get my first list out normally in a week or two after the holinka gretzky cup so it's done i filed it earlier this week and it'll be out early next week uh and i'm 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 amped about that and sort of sort of beginning this new process. I as as exciting as last year's draft was. I, I and it was a special one. I think it's going to be a special one that we talk about for a long time. I got I did get pretty tired of talking about Matt Baymichkov and Connor Bedard. <laughs> um, so I'm 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 happy to be to be turning the page. I'm looking forward to getting out to Sweden for the first time for the for the World Juniors. I've never been to Sweden, so it's one of the only European hockey countries I haven't been to yet. So. Uh, looking forward to that and yeah that'll be my focus through the fall just preparing for the world juniors
0: amazing well you actually nailed mafe Michkov on this mock draft you did with us we had him going to philly that was your pick so at least hey you might have been tired but you're still dialed in and able to get that we always follow you on twitter scott c wheeler and the work in the athletics scott great year to have two first round picks next year the senators have that right now so we'll be touching base with you throughout the season and beyond always appreciate the insight all the best the rest of the summer
2: Thanks, guys. Cheers.
0: All right, Pillsy. Great conversation with Scott as always. Super insightful and I'm excited for the next draft now. I mean, I'm not ready to discuss it just yet, like Scott Wheeler is with his initial rankings coming out on the athletics soon, but I am excited and I hope, I really do, that the Senators keep both first round picks.
1: Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I I would be disappointed if they kept both. Ross, heck trade them both. Let's oh. get yeah, let's get the best players we can get. It's playoffs or bust. I'm tired of talking about draft picks. I'm tired of June and July being our Stanley Cup. I'm sick I'm sick of that. I want I don't care about picks. F them picks.
0: Yeah, and I get that sentiment, but at <laughs> the same time, you have to draft and develop even when you're a good team. That's and true. Ottawa didn't have a first, second or third last year. And, like there were teams that made the playoffs that had multiple first round picks. Like there's, there's still a method where you have to reload. Heck the reigning Stanley cup champions going into last season, Colorado had two first round picks, right? There is kind of a longer term outlook. And I think with Michael and coming in, I think that he's going to want, because look at the way the team's constructed right now. If they need to go out and trade a first round pick just to get into the playoffs, it's a failure in and of itself. The roster should be good enough to make the playoffs right now that you can also have the first-round picks. I don't think it's one or the other, and that's why I think you've already traded multiple first-round picks to get the team you have right now. If they can't get it done, then that's an indictment on the management for not being able to put this team in a position to get it
1: done. All right, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I want them to trade one of those picks, but I want them to trade Ottawa's pick because I... I like that motivation. I like that motivation. Just be like, ah, let's trade um, the later first round pick, our own pick, because we're going to finish ahead of Detroit. So let's go for that. that.
0: I like that. And what's cool about the Detroit pick, which could be Boston's pick, is that they're both divisional opponents. So all season long, you will see us cheering actively against both Boston and Detroit. Not only because them losing gives Ottawa the best opportunity to make the playoffs, but now there's a little bit of gamesmanship coming up with that draft pick as well. If they're both within the 10 to 15 range, is perfect because it's top 10 protected. That way, there's no protection on them. And it's like, oh, you want to give us the lower? Imagine they're one pick apart. That would yeah. be just perfect for for us
1: yeah that'd be crazy wow
0: but hey next week we've got a big big schedule change obviously my wedding is sunday night so monday we are going to pre-record and release a ring of honor it's been coming out on tuesdays we're going to do that on monday and then next week's schedule will be tuesday wednesday friday for the three episodes of locked on senators as you know it so monday ring of honor Probably won't be promoting it on social media. Uh, I might be a little busy, as they say, but uh, what I will do is schedule everything today so you'll have a fresh piece of content, whether it's for your commute or whatnot. Because Locked On Senators is your team every day. We take that extremely seriously. want to build the connection with you guys and know that you can get fresh Ottawa Senators content right here as often as humanly possible. And Pilsy, I'm not going to tell the people what you told me But the organizational value rankings will be coming soon and maybe in a special method. So that's all coming up. Pills, any final thoughts for today's show?
1: Uh, Actually, yeah. Final thoughts for me. Uh, You guys maybe have seen I tweeted out my uh, TV setup for my man cave. I want... Tweet at me. You can comment uh, on the video or on that tweet. What are some man cave suggestions? I'm trying to build the ultimate man cave, especially Senators' vibe. So give me some man cave suggestions, sense fans. How about a gnome? I've got a gnome already. <laughs> <Check>. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know what? You know what? Maybe this is contentious. You know what I don't like for a man cave? But like, like, uh, colored lighting. I see that sometimes, you know, oh, okay, blue, the yep. red. No, I'm not in, I'm not into that, but I'll, I'll think of it too. We'll remind me next week. I'll have some ideas for you on yes. that, but everyone have a great weekend, a long weekend for the show. Although if you're here Monday, you'll know the ring of honor will be here for you as well. But for today we say goodbye for Brandon pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. And this has been the locked on senators podcast, your team every day.